Guys 5 Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pellicone. You were listening to... You sound so pleased, Frank. Um, Super excited. You're listening to episode 4 of The Spin Chagrin, where Frank is given a random category from a spin of a wheel that we have designed, and has to choose a movie that he's never seen before and the category last week that came up on the wheel was the mighty have fallen so frank i've been wondering how exactly did you interpret this genre not even a genre but this category of the mighty have fallen so it was difficult um i kind of struggled for a while with how do i interpret that exactly um my first instinct was to look for movies about rich people who have become poor. So I was thinking something like Trading Places, sort of. But of course, obviously, I've seen Trading Places. Right. But everything I've found, I'd seen before. Um, and I couldn't really find anything even like terrible that um, that kind of like, I don't know, like rung out to me where something I'd want to watch. So then I started thinking about, well, maybe I'll do like a giant monster movie of some kind, because that's usually the theme mm-hmm. there. Um, but again, like nothing that it really, I wanted to, that, nothing that I even thought would be fun to talk about that came up that I hadn't seen before. Cause I've seen like, you know, so many, <clears throat> whatever kaiju movies or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I happened to be scrolling through Tubi, um, the night after we did the podcast and I came upon a movie and I thought, you know what? Absolutely perfect. Would never watch this movie under normal circumstances. Oh no. And, um, oh no. I th- it didn't okay. disappoint. Uh-huh. What's oh, what's no. your guess before I tell you what it is? Well, just let me say first, the first thing that came to my mind last week when we got the wheel, you said the trading places idea of rich to poor. The first uh-huh. thing that crossed my mind actually, and I don't know why, because I don't really care for him that much, was like a musical biopic of something like Walk the bad example because you've seen it, but like Walk the Line like the the rise and fall of like a musical artist of some sort that's the first thing that crossed my mind the second thing that crossed my mind i think i mentioned last week was taking it outside of the film itself and looking at a director who had uh was was popular prominent at one point and then it like hit rock bottom kind of like with bad movies um example like francis Ford coppola and jack again right bad example you've already seen jack I like to pretend like I haven't. Um, so I'm thinking it is like one of the fucking has fallen movies, like Olympus has fallen or something along those lines. Thought about that too. I looked at them, but mm. I don't know if that'd be interesting to talk about. This is even worse. Okay. Um, so tonight we're going to discuss uh, the 2000. Oh, what year is this fucking travesty? 2018 crime biopic Gotti. oh geez you... starring john travolta uh directed by e from entourage yes yeah um also starring um stacy keach uh kelly preston in one of her last film roles before her passing um <laughs> you really did that to yourself okay i know i know i i don't know it anyway and I watched it all in one sitting too, which again, super proud that I was able to force myself to sit there and suffer through this. You've seen things like Goodfellas, The Godfather, Casino, you know, Donnie Brasco, plenty of good to great crime movies 
you know, based around the mafia. This yeah. movie wants to be every one of those movies and fails in every regard. Um, so it opens with Travolta, who plays, you know, John Gotti in the movie, standing um, next to the Brooklyn Bridge, like the Brooklyn Bridge is behind him, and talking to you uh, posthumously about how you're going to learn about his life and how all the things he did that were great, you know, and mm-hmm. don't listen to like any other stories. Cause you're getting it straight from him, but he's dead. Right. So he's right. ghosts maybe or something. Mm-hmm. So then you get the most fractured telling of a person's life ever, um, including multiple jumps in time from the present to the past, to the distant past, to the near past, back to the present. Um, the auspice of the movie is that John Gotti is talking to his son, John Gotti, um, as the elder John Gotti is dying of cancer in jail uh, and is basically telling his son, don't cooperate with the feds because they're just out to fuck you. You got to stay strong. You got to be a man. If it means you have to go to jail for 30 years, just do it because that's what I would do. This man who's dying of cancer away from his family in jail. Um, so then it just kind of goes like you would expect it to go, except with nothing redeeming about it. You know, Gotti rising to power in the, um, the Gambino mob, I think is what he was in, right? Is that right? Gotti himself, uh, uh, he was well, it's whatever Paul Cast uh, Gambino crime family, right? He's Paul Castellano, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, so real quick, I mean, I, I know, I think a lot of people of our age know just a little bit at least about Gotti, like, like Gen Xers and stuff like that. So, like, what period does this cover of Gotti? Does it cover the Castellano hit? Like, mm-hmm. okay, because I didn't see Castellano accredited like anywhere. Um, like in the cast listing just on wikipedia here so i didn't know how how involved he was um in the movie mm. is that who the, anyway yeah yeah, yeah yeah they 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 everything that you can imagine john Gotti's life is covered here to some respect i think okay so right. it's basically his like start as a like a low-level kind of enforcer and then um the hit that he does on some dude that gets a maid and then kind of like gaining favor and power within the family and then him deciding that castellano has to die so there's the hit at that steakhouse whatever it's called mm-hmm. um yep. then like him like controlling the family and the sort of i don't know negative attention that that brings and his major like going to court you know and getting acquitted five times and the whole teflon don thing i'm gonna give you all right i'm gonna ask you a question and i know you don't like questions like this but just bear with me like try and answer it yeah this i'm I'm, I'm gonna set a scene and i want you to tell me what song is playing in this scene Mm. so it's 1980s Gotti and his wife are walking out of the courthouse, just, you know, beat some charge. Mm-hmm. He's all pumped up and she's like, get the fuck out of my husband's face. He's innocent. 
and they walk out and get in the car and there's a song that's playing the entire time from when they're walking through the like the courthouse lobby down the steps and into a car so give me a song that that fits that um god um in the 80s they he just beat it beat it that's probably would be too expensive but that that would be fine i that'd still be weird but um i don't i really don't know um uh sexual healing (laughs) i'm saying i'm terrible with this i have no idea like what what it could be sexual Um, healing would have been really odd but probably better (laughs) so uh i'm 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 just sweetest i know know. that's I'm just naming pra- now. Probably Karma, Karma Chameleon. Like, I- no, that's all right. <laughs> so the song they play. Now that you've ruined my point with your ridiculous guesses, the song they play is "Walk Like an Egyptian." What? That's even more. That's more ridiculous than some of my suggestions. It makes absolutely no sense in the context. <laughs> like either the like tone and energy of that song, or the lyrics. Like especially the lyrics, because the lyrics are. It's not just like the instrumental. It's like they're they won't as he's walking, and I'm just sitting there watching. And I'm thinking, like, man, like, why is this your decision? Is there any hint that this could be like a a, a joke reference to Travolta? Did they like do anything with Travolta walking that makes it seem like it could be like a reference nope. to the past? Nope. Nope, nope. films. No. Okay. It, there's no callback to. Saturday Night Fever right, or Staying okay. Alive or anything yeah, like that. Uh-huh. He's not like he, absolutely no inkling of him like of Danny Zuko in this role of in the way he talks or moves or anything of the sort. It's just a man walking out of court after just beating a charge and so the only so the only link between the scene and the song is the word is walk is that they're walking <laughs> and apparently like an egyptian apparently which i thought was about like being on drugs in a club in the 80s and like your body like jer- anyway i don't know i don't know what walk like an egyptian's about he sure will enlighten us tomorrow via text um I, I, as to the meaning behind it i don't the, want what, you to what, look hold on what's what is that larue is that right the band like isn't there like a song like called bulletproof that they did back in the 80s there is a song called bulletproof yeah like what like, that would work buddy there's plenty of songs that would work didn't have to be an 80s song because this is like a mafioso it, right and they're always playing like some bogus like fake ass sinatra shit in the background yeah. Um, but th- this is just an example of how tone deaf this movie is to its subject matter and any semblance of like mood or feeling in a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so eventually Gotti falls out of favor with the family and they end up getting Rico charges against them and he goes to jail. So then his son, who is played by uh like a cardboard box basically i mean um, it's a guy i've never heard of before spencer lofranco he's canadian that makes sense um 
then it's about like him trying to rise to take his father's place while his father's in jail, but almost immediately succumbing to his own weakness and cowardice and just rolling over for the feds because he can't take having to go to court um, numerous times like his father did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mob has fallen apart like at that point. And they, they kind of talk about that a little bit, like how there's no real, oh my God. So <laughs> there's a scene where Gotti Jr. gets made. Um, and I was thinking back to scenes like Christopher getting made in The Sopranos or um, mm-hmm. Leota getting made in, in, in Goodfellas, you know, like these mm-hmm. really like powerful scenes sure. for two different reasons. But, you know, things where you're like, oh, you know, there's a certain like weight and majesty to it. Mm-hmm. And this dude walks into a room, like this little like broom closet almost with a, a card table. Like, seriously, like a fold-out, like, card table with some old men. And they're like, you know why you're here? And he's like, nah. And they're like, you're getting made. You're joining La Casa Nostra. <laughs> that means, and they, they say some line. I can't remember what it is. I, I think it's stolen from Goodfellas about, like, the life or whatever. And huh. they prick his thumb, and they're like, all right, buddy, you're done. And then he just goes and leaves and it's like the most anticlimactic like stupid scene in any movie ever oh man <clears throat> and this dude is seriously like cw light material like there's nothing menacing or i don't know and stacy keach is stacy keach probably the best part of it oh, um what's he play oh uh, he plays I lost. Uh, Neil. Oh, I see him there. Okay, yeah, Dele yeah. Croce. Dele Croce. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. And it's it, it, it it's fine. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing was, good. He was Gotti's underboss, right? Like, yeah. There's nothing good about this movie at all. Um. It's really funny watching them try and make John Travolta look young and old, and John Travolta just always looks like John Travolta, except <clears> for the so. I mean, I should have looked it up. 2018. Okay, so this is right around the same time. So this is like complete, this is like older, completely plastic Travolta at this point, correct? But with even more makeup on top of him to make him look like rugged and human, I guess. Okay. Um, Which just makes him look like like a horror mask type thing. I don't know. It's, um, and it's such an awkward performance because like, to me, so there's another Travolta movie. Fuck, what is it called? Is it like from Paris with Love or something like that? The one where he's a hitman. Um, it's maybe ten or eleven years old. Hold on, yeah, you got it. I got, I found it. 2010. Charlie with Charlie Wax is the character's name. <laughs> so in this movie, he also plays like some kind of badass, and it just doesn't work. Like, uh-huh. it doesn't work in Face Off, but it's funny. Because right. of how, like, it's John Travolta emulating Nicolas Cage. And so it's 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 funny. Like, there's some humor to that character. And, you know, there's no real menace or anything. But it it's it's whatever. Like, you, you can watch it. When he tries to play, like, a straight bad guy, it is the most unbelievable shit. Because you just feel like. Like, there's a man that just wants to dance, you know? Like, he he just wants to 
like go out and do the hustle or something. And it's 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 not him to be like this badass hardened mafioso. That would have been a better song to play during that scene too. Is all she wants to do is dance. Well, that's a good song to play anytime. <laughs> Actually, or my girl wants to party all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like all the gangster movies I've seen in my life, they tend to fall into two categories because there's really no in between. And I think it's a really boring played out genre anyway, especially in 2018, you know, you don't need to make gangster movies anymore. And if fucking Martin Scorsese can't do it well, then definitely E from Entourage can't do it well, but it's like they either grip you and make you feel emotionally invested in the characters where you want to see them avoid the inevitable like death that comes at the end of that life, or they're just super boring overwrought imitations of something much better than, you know, what you're seeing. And that's what this is. It's Mm -hmm. I always forget to write down lines of dialogue because man, let me tell you something like this movie. Is just like trash personified. Let me um, let's go to MDIB, IMDb, however you take it. Ah, so so anyway, so the end of the movie is. I'm not even sure what happens at the end of the movie because it's not very clear, and I didn't bother to read up about Gotti Jr. to find out like what happened to him. But basically, it's that he co- he cooperates with the feds, but then they still take him to court later about like because his name is still associated with these criminals so when they're prosecuting other criminals they're they're still bringing him in on like conspiracy or whatever and kelly preston stands up because she's you know his his mother and is like why are you harassing my son my son has done his time he's paid his debt why do you keep harassing him just because his name is john Gotti?" And it's really bad. Um, it looks like Gotti Jr. has just had, um, he left the family at some point, but he did assume leadership and had a number of char- racketeering charges of different years and then kind of just like left the life, apparently, but did get stabbed after leaving the life, breaking up a fight in New York in 2013. But he's still alive. Well, that's good, I guess. Um, I don't care about him after this movie. <coughs> no offense, John Gotti Jr., um so anyway so after all that stuff is done and you've gotten like really no inkling as to what has occurred in this man's life um it cuts back to dead john Gotti standing underneath the bridge and he's like listen to me you ain't never gonna see another guy like me even if you live to be five thousand and then he just walks away <clears throat> and I don't know if that's like an actual line from that John Gotti said, and it definitely wasn't anything I cared to look up because I really didn't care about living, let alone the life of John Gotti after I right. finished watching this movie. Um, let me tell you this. I think this movie, because I don't remember how long it was, and I'm reading Gotti quotes right now. I mm-hmm. would guess this movie was three and a half hours long. <laughs> just by how long it felt when I was watching this fucking movie. Hour and ten minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. The most mind-numbing drag of an hour and ten minutes of your entire life. Nothing that you... I wish there was something to, like, 
recommended even a little bit where you could say like, oh, well, you know, the direction was good or the soundtrack was good. Because a lot of times like movies that take place in the 70s and 80s are going to have like good soundtracks. Nah, no, no. Right. So none of these quotes are even funny. Who's Chris? So Chris Malky isn't Sheriff Truman's in this? Sheriff Truman? Yeah. Who's he play? Frank DeSisso? Uh, I don't know. Hold on. It's not, no, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not. It's not Sheriff Truman. It's uh, Sheriff Truman's best friend that is uh, Norma's husband, the the con. That yeah. guy. That guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like that guy. Uh. Yeah. I don't know about this movie, but I like it. Like I like William DeMeo. He plays Sammy the Bull and mm-hmm. Pruitt Vince. Um. Good character actor. Mm-hmm. plays another one of Gotti's best friends but they're all wasted here like there's sure. there's 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 nothing to say <laughs> so just real quick so it's probably like a line that like was actually said because as i'm looking up Gotti jr this movie is based on his 2015 autobiography called the shadow in the shadow of my father and it's a adap- this is adapted from that levinson was going to direct it mm with these principles uh, of Travolta and Preston and then Levinson dropped out and then you get this. Right. Cause he was probably like, you know, I actually have a reputation here. Um, <laughs> I mean, I made diner. <clears throat> I mean, the, that, that's a joke, but it's also true. Like, yeah, it's, it's and diners a real movie and this is not it's a, it's a good movie. I, I, this, I wasn't making fun really. This movie feels like, and it's got all the F words and whatever. I mean, they're not even why I didn't just say fuck. I mean, there's all kinds of profanity and violence in it. But it's like, it feels like something that you would watch over the course of, you know, three weekends on CBS in like 1992. Mm-hmm. Like, it has all the emotional weight and power of a fucking 90s made for TV movie. And actually, that probably would have been better you know right i don't know and then it like towards the end it shows footage of people in new york um when he was sent to jail for the last time like what ended up being the time that he died um when he was imprisoned of people like talking about Gotti and how Gotti was like such an icon and you know was always doing good things for the people of new york city and it's like seriously that fucking fun loving criminal song or whatever that band is called do you remember that song the king of new york yeah 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 the lottie dottie free john Gotti. that mm-hmm. that one like that is a better tribute to john Gotti than this fucking abomination of a of a movie so and the problem um, with it is is that like God. a bad movie can elevate itself to the point where you laugh like alongside it like and it's fun you know there's an entertainment aspect to it where you know you're not watching anything good and you know we do this on saturday nights when we do zoom calls is we'll watch some terrible horror movie from the 1980s and sometimes they make us laugh really hard like there's Mm -hmm. just really and it's the the principles like the people creating the movie are trying to entertain you and so it's 
it kind of sucks you in, you know, like, and even though it's not good, it still is enjoyable, right? Mm -hmm. This is like so bereft of any life or humanity or talent or purpose. Because ultimately it's trying to make him out to be like a hero kind of, and it's weird. Like it's such a, I don't mind, you know, like showing like a multifaceted portrayal of someone who is a criminal, Mm -hmm. you know, we just, we talked about, um, American gangster last year, right? Perfect example of portraying, you know, a, a criminal in a way that he's still a criminal, but you can feel some sort of like empathy for him at times. Sure. Or we just talked about blow a couple weeks ago, a few weeks right. ago. It does something does something perfect similar. example. Yeah. Not and not here. Like right. the whole time they're trying so hard to elevate Gotti to some kind of like mythic um status or something where he is this and you know what? I'm sure John Gotti was to people in New York in the 1980s. Like, I've seen pictures of him and, you know, the cover of the Post and whatever, showing, like, Gotti is almost yeah, like this. When we were growing up in the 90s before they convicted him, I mean, he was all over the news and on, like, Newsweek and shit, the Teflon Don this, and, like, I mean. I just mean from the perspective of somebody that lived, mm-hmm. like, in the area that he lived, where you would feel oh, sure. like almost like a folk hero. Right, right. But here he's just a he's just a bum. He's a schlub, and it's like there's nothing cool about him. Yeah. And it's probably because it's written so poorly and the worst casting to have this Tev Travolta do it. Which I'm assuming the whole purpose of that was probably twofold on their part to have the star power of a name like John Travolta attached to the movie, and on his part thinking that oh this is going to revitalize my career where I'm going to be this guy that's going to get cast and, you know, like trying to circle back around to like what he was in Pulp Fiction, but it just ended up worse for everybody. So. Sure. And oddly enough, it's like his turn as Robert Shapiro was the best work that he in uh, the people versus OJ also in his plastic old man phase is the best performance that he's given in probably a decade and a half, two decades. Again, I think that that fits more in with the perspective of who he really is, which is a guy who a little weird, a little off center, but charming and just generally and petty. Yeah. Yeah. Like easily hurt sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. So. So I want to ask real quick about E um, and his and his direction, like. Uh, how fast? What, what was the direction like? Um, how 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 great is uh, Kevin Connolly? He's not a good director. Um, it jumps between styles way too much, so it's like verite points, and then almost like he's aping um, Scorsese at other points, and then the film stock even feels like it changes sometimes. I know it's like all filmed on digital, but you know whatever the technique they use to film it so sometimes it's grainy and sometimes it's like super clear and you can tell that he just watched the sopranos a couple of times before he did it because there's several shots that remind me of um the way the sopranos would film uh like across the street from them sitting outside of the pork right 
shop or whatever. Um, the deli, I guess, is what it is. Yeah. Um, Satrialis, yeah. Yeah. Just the way that they would frame certain things and just boring. Like I said, just fucking derivative. It's it's crass, man, and it's 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 unnecessary and. <clears throat> I don't know if it's a story that ever needed to be told because I think that we've seen it. <clears throat> this is probably just personal bias, honestly, on my part, because I'm just done with gangster movies. I don't see any purpose to them. I think you've told that story enough. I don't know what is going to need to happen to make a gangster movie one that I want to see, but this is definitely not pushing me in that direction. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very difficult to watch all the way through. <laughs> Just looking up to see who directed. If there's crossover between. I'm pretty sure. That, yeah, I'm wondering if he <clears throat> on Entourage if he worked with directors that also worked on The Sopranos, since HBO's team sent, tends to use similar directors. And without looking it up, I Daniel. Adius, who did a lot of work for HBO back then, I'm pretty sure he directed some Sopranos episodes. He directed Entourage. I know he directed Deadwood episodes, and I'm pretty sure David Nutter did as well. So that so he worked with people that worked on the Sopranos, probably. And he um I I, I looked him up briefly. Um he he's directed a lot of stuff like on television and a couple other feature films. Um he directed episodes of Sopranos and or um Entourage and. Yeah. Uh, he directed some stuff. Um, I can't remember the name of the TV show. He was in some TV show for like 100 episodes in the 90s. That Unha- he ended up- Unhappily Ever After. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's right. the Married with Children or both. Yeah. He directed some of that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Fucking it's. I wish these would be like, I, I need to find a movie that's actually funny to talk about and enjoyable because there's nothing really. I can't think of like who he's. Like what he's similar to. It's like he's trying to be somebody, but I can't think of who it is. It's a very poor imitation of, I don't know, probably Pacino I or um De Niro, I guess. Hmm. I can see that. Maybe Pacino. But he does the thing where I'm gonna try and explain this verbally and see if you can visualize it. John Travolta when he's quote unquote acting does this thing where he pushes all the weight of his body into his lower jowls. So his whole like lips sink into this like deep perpetual frown and it makes lines like push really far in, like around his mouth Mm -hmm. and he gets like heavy lidded and he nods his head and that's his way of emoting. It is. It's actually, he he does it in broken arrow. Um, a couple it's times like, it's like martin weir's like joke of emoting as um shylock and <laughs> and um get shorty is right. the way that john travolta is like really trying to emote so maybe that was he he's like oh i need to go to the martin weir school of acting and fucking martin uh, after after watching get shorty again last year fucking martin weir just keeps coming up like there there's something about that man like that I mean, it's the perfect as, as an actor, like it's like talking about acting. It's like there's something about that Martin Weir show. Right, it's like Devito perfectly captures the hubris <laughs> and unwarranted like self-importance of a person that's never been told no. 
and that's the joke of martin weir and i think that it's funny that devito like can capture it so well but this is what travolta is doing in this movie Mm -hmm. but real quick i had something come up my timeline about devito because we just talked about matilda so through looking stuff up in my feed i ended up getting something a story about danny devito coming in apparently he's like taller than tom cruise and he is like you know there's like so many like hollywood actors like he's like the same height as like daniel craig like devito but early in his career his agent made a conscious decision to try to get him work by saying he's he's the short guy like short stocky guy and that's how like he sold him in order to get him work so like they would purposefully try to take photos of devito so he looks shorter than what he was um so there's actually another meta joke in get shorty in the idea that this they cast the the shorty of the movie is the guy who is apparently famous in hollywood for being considered the short actor um which is really funny to me i didn't know that you said he's taller than tom cruise yeah tom cruise is 5'7 danny devito is 4'10 you got some you got some bad info here i got fake news (laughs) <laughs> yeah. i think uh, you don't think 410 is is what they're saying is 410 is a um is a kayfabe height no i mean and i've it, watched enough episodes of always sunny in philadelphia to see him stand next to those people and i know that um what's his name charlie uh what's his name charlie day charlie day mm-hmm. is like only like five six or five seven hmm. let's see how tall charlie day is I can't this see this is gonna fuck up my entire Google feed because I keep looking up <laughs> actor heights. Maybe that was my trick all along. <clears throat> well then you won. <laughs> um yeah, Charlie Day is my height. Okay. And that makes sense because Charlie is in between like like Rob McKelleny and Glenn Howard and, and Danny DeVito in height. Like he's mm-hmm. you know. Where they're both like probably a little under six feet, like he's you know five seven, and Devito is definitely. You know how hilarious it would be if like this is all a ruse, so people don't think that Tom Cruise is like four six or something like that. It would be pretty funny. I mean, um... that his appearance on Oprah was filmed with like trick cameras and mirrors or something, Mm -hmm. so that he looked like a. Oh well, you know, I'm pretty sure I've read in the past that like. Cruise wears like lifts and shit lifts, like that. right? Mm-hmm. He'd have to wear like seventeen-inch lifts. <laughs> like that man be like the stilt man or something, or um, like don't be a menace to whatever with the um right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the fucking uh, aquarium shoes or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Danny DeVito's height—that's really what we've come down to. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. So, so you watched Gotti, and you were telling me before the podcast that there's <laughs> you watch another movie after this that you realized that was really good that could have fit this bill, correct? Right. So this weekend, I had the distinct pleasure of watching the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, the new mm-hmm. Joel Cohen movie with um. Uh, Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Um, fucking amazing. 
one of the number one, the best adaptation of Macbeth I've ever seen. Um, and the best interpretation of Macbeth by an actor I've ever seen. Um, absolutely amazing, completely like visually stunning, interesting, um, moving, just, I think understandable in a way that's really difficult for directors to capture when they're filming Macbeth in the Shakespearean um, the original Shakespearean dialogue, mm-hmm. especially in the way that Denzel delivers that dialogue. It's like such a unique interpretation of Macbeth as a character. Um, and I've, I don't know, I've seen what, like probably like four filmed adaptations of Macbeth plus, you know, Hidden Fortress and whatever. Um, but really just blew me away. It was amazing. And um, the set design is spectacular. Just and as I'm watching this movie and just being in awe of what I'm watching on television, on my television, thinking, holy shit, like this perfectly fit the spin chagrin for this week, but I am not wasting my the life that I spent watching Gotti to not talk about Gotti. Right. Right. Like I had to talk about Gotti. So the Macbeth thing is also a follow-up to what you mentioned last week, where you actually talked about this on the Spin Chagrin, where Apple Plus was giving kind of like a free trial away. Oh, for a month. Let, so let you me wanna, tell you. Let's update everybody on your experience with Apple Plus. Apple Plus is fucking garbage. Apple Plus is the most garbage streaming service possibly that's ever existed. So here's my experience with Macbeth. So I'm watching Macbeth, and I decide I'm going to make lunch. Um, so I, I pause the movie, I get up, I go make a fucking sandwich or some shit. I don't know, whatever I made, I come and sit back down. And in the time it took me to make a sandwich, so say five minutes, six minutes to go to my kitchen, make a sandwich and come back. The movie has booted out to the main Apple plus screen. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I'll just resume. I hit start motherfucker started over. So I had to go and scan through 30 some minutes of movie to get back to the point that I was at. And then I forgot. And I think like my mom called or something. So I stopped the movie again to talk to her. It fucking did it again. It wouldn't let me pause the movie and resume. I had to go and skim through the entire thing to find the point that I was at. Mm -hmm. The other thing with Apple plus two and fucking bitch ass service is that they nickel and dime you for every single fucking thing you want to do there. So, like, everything costs money. Maybe I was missing the movies that were free or whatever, but, like, everything they were advertising on the main page, I had to pay for. Absolute bullshit. You know, if it was a free service, so, like, Voodoo does that, I guess, and Crackle, where there's some stuff that's free, but a lot of it you have to pay for, and you kind of have to just, like, when you open up a movie, it tells you, you know, whether you have to pay for it or not. But those are free services. Like I'm, I'm cool with a service that doesn't charge me anything. Well, with both Crackle and Voodoo, though, there is a category you can go to, and this just show right. shit free, free, free yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then that's the thing. Like you know, sometimes I don't mind paying for a movie, and sometimes right. I just want to watch some shit for free. But I pulled up <clears throat> six or seven movies on Apple Plus that were just advertised, and some of them older movies, like nothing brand new or anything. All of them between three ninety nine and like eight ninety nine, 
and I didn't bother to look and see if I could watch C or um, what's the one that you want to watch the Ted Lasso? Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't because I was so annoyed at that point that I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna even be bothered." And I think that's probably the stuff that you get for free on Apple Plus is their television shows, and then you got to pay for any kind of right. um movies you want to watch but man it's such bullshit so i canceled my subscription to apple plus because fuck them but i'm going to watch Macbeth at least one more time before my subscription is up um in the middle of february so so yeah that movie is fantastic definitely worth watching Gotti is here's another thing about Gotti that i want to mention too i have a friend that i went to high school with who um lives in Philadelphia now and is actually in a relationship with and like the manager of um, this really popular coffee spot up there mm-hmm. called Rim Cafe. Um, they've been on like Food Network and I don't know, a lot of people are, the, apparently their stuff is amazing, like their coffee and he's a chocolatier, the guy that owns the place. Um so they were somehow involved in the making of Gotti because of like some people they know in Philadelphia. So I really felt bad like shitting all over this movie mm-hmm. because they seem like really nice people, but like man, they got bad taste. And mm-hmm. this movie is definitely not like it's an embarrassment to Italians, it's an embarrassment to anyone who enjoys film, it's an embarrassment to like normal functioning humans. I don't know. Like there's I would like to meet somebody that likes this movie and I want them to explain to me why they like this movie. And I almost don't want to do that because if I like that person, I don't think I can like that person anymore. So, right. So John Gotti or just Gotti. It's not John Gotti. It's just Gotti. Yes. Yes. Just Gotti. All right. I have three things. And out of those three things, two are questions. And then I have one just comment. Okay. It's the zero hour. Um, I was looking up the writer of this. His name is Lem Dobbs. It's not his real name. He took the name Dobbs from somewhere else. Uh, but he wrote, he, he's actually appeared on the primary podcast twice before because he is also the writer of Hider in the House, the Gary Busey mm-hmm. stalking thriller, which was good. Um, <clears throat> I actually like really liked that script a lot overall. And then he also uh, co-wrote Dark City. Uh, and then pretty much after that, is uh really bad so um it's the limey the score swat the limey's good is it mm-hmm. i like the lime who directed the limey i don't know soderbergh yeah i can't do that all right um <clears throat> i can't do a soderbergh movie like i did one last year and like didn't regret it but it was just whatever that one with Ben Benzio um, del Toro is and Don Cheadle. Uh, all right. So my other two questions. One, The Hard Way, 1991 film starring Michael J. Fox and James Woods. Have you ever seen this movie? I don't think so. I don't think I have either, which is surprising. It's a, it's a buddy cop movie. That's why I would never have seen it. Probably. But it's surprising why I would never see it. Right. I'm Listen. already bored. Listen to this cast, though. Michael J. Fox, James Woods, Annabella Sciorra, Delroy Linda, Louis Guzman, LL Cool J, Penny Marshall, Christina Ricci, Kathy Najimy, Louis Black. Like, that's a lot of that's a lot of names for this movie that I've never seen. Yeah. 
theatrical release. Yeah. What year? 1991. Um, is a picture of James Woods. The cover is Michael J. Fox with sunglasses on, but they're like lowered down so you can see his eyes. And he's holding a gun that has a bang coming out of it, a bang flag. And the other side is James Woods with his arms crossed, also with a gun, though, and his shades all the way up. So you can't see his eyes looking annoyed at him. So you can you can imagine what that movie is um, just based on the cover. My other question is, when you're watching a good movie, because you brought up the idea that you want to make lunch, <clears throat> when you're watching a good movie, do you want to go eat? Yeah, yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing. I'm very regular in when I do things. Mm-hmm. So I eat breakfast every morning between 6.30 and 7. And that's every day of the week. And I eat lunch every day between 11.30 and 12. And that's every day of the week. Like, I don't deviate from that schedule. So when it's time for me to go make lunch, like I'm just conditioned to do it. Usually what I'll try and do is I'll try to not start something until, you know, like after, like I'll make my lunch and then I'll start a movie or I'll make my lunch and I'll start playing a game. Um, But I had put off watching this movie for a couple days. Like I had thought I was going to watch it at night and then I was too tired. Um, and then with the whole, like, do we talk about that? I thought I might have COVID on the podcast last week. I think we did. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> I was negative for COVID by the way. Um, so I didn't like, I don't know. I was kind of depressed about that and I didn't want to do anything. So I was sitting there and I was like, okay, I'm just going to start this. And then I was hungry. Um, so yeah, mm. I don't mind stopping a movie if it's brief. I don't like to stop a movie and then come back several hours or days you'll you'll do my shit where i watched in 10 sittings and like over the course of two days (laughs) yeah i mean i'll i I felt like i had to answer the phone my mom called and um but i watched that movie in one sitting just with a couple of pauses and had i not had to friggin fast forward through three quarters of it again Now, I was just asking if it was like, I can't remember the character's name in Freaks and Geeks, where he's like sitting there eating like his Bill, like Bill, Bill, like, you know, I, like watching Gary Shandling, like why he's eating. Yeah, that's, his, like, it's 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 pretty similar to that. Yeah, yeah. No, I do the same thing. That's why I was wondering. Like, it's like I, I have this I have this desire to. I, in fact, it's like the reverse, actually. I think things that I think I could enjoy, I time it to when I will eat. Like, yeah, and I, only, I don't even think it's like conscious most of the time. It's like, so, okay. So the other answer to your question is the majority of the time I watch YouTube when I'm eating because it's never anything that I have to super pay attention to. Right. Um, and this is again, why I want to watch Mc, why I'm going to watch Macbeth at least one more time, because I want to like now knowing like what happens throughout the entirety in terms of like the visual and the performances, I want to sit there and like watch other things in that movie and really mm-hmm. pay attention to it. So. Right. Yeah. I was just curious. All right. Those are my three things. All right. So what's, 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 the, what's the chagrin score? No, oh, there bless it is. God bless you. Giant sneezes. Um, it's a seven, I guess. Okay. 
I mean, it's not so detestable that I hated this movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's a very low hum of a hate. It's not like angry pulsing hate. So seven, you know. Okay. Better than last week. Buddy, I don't know if we're ever going to have a worse movie than last week. (laughs) I, I, I don't. I shouldn't say that because it's going to happen. <laughs> you never know. All right, you ready to spin then? Yeah, let's get this spin on. Oh, here's a funny. Here's a funny anecdote. Yeah. Um. So you revealed to me. Was this on the podcast? You revealed that you share no, your screen Saturday, every time you spin. Night. Uh-huh. And I had no idea because I don't ever look at the screen. Right. You never look at the screen because so I don't have to edit this in the sound in later for the spin. Oh, I don't want to look anymore. What do you mean? Because now I can see what all the categories are. That's oh yeah, it's true. So just look away. I've already I've already seen it all. What? No, you just all you can see all you can see is the ones you've already made. So it doesn't matter. You can. This is all your categories. But I can see them. I can see them on the wheel, like all of them. Oh, okay. Well, stop looking. (sighs) All right. Shut up. Going to spin the wheel. It broke. And category is <laughs> movie that gave you PTSD when you worked at Regal Cinemas. <laughs> that I didn't see. So it has to be something that caused me dramatic trauma, but that I never watched. Yeah, at least something that was a pain in your ass. Like oh my God. severely. But you never actually watched. The, the problem is, movie. I watched so much. Right. Can it be a movie that I started to watch and then walked out of? Sure. Oh, okay. I know exactly. Well, no, that didn't really cause me PTSD. That was just. <laughs> you have to. You just have to go back to the memory banks, and this is no Ryan category. I'm gonna have to find something that was really popular. Oh my god. Oh, did I see that though? I don't think I ever watched that whole mm. I love seeing you try to process this like right away, like the immediate processing of like what could you what could you do here? So yeah, this was um this is one of O's categories that he added. Pretty huh. late. I think it was the very last one that's added actually. So it was number fifty-eight left of fifty-eight. So what are the odds of that? I, I'm it's not. a good category. I um, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of research, I think. Right. All right. So that's another one down. So next week, movie that gave you <laughs> trauma of some sort from your time working at Regal Cinemas, which was how many years total? Eleven. 11 okay so out of the 11 years you worked there the movie that gave you the most trauma but you didn't actually see all the way through yeah there's got to be some that you never actually watched that were really popular and fucked up your weekend or something buddy that was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, it's good because it goes backwards in time too. So, um, 
Yeah. Have to have to go backwards. So what are the years there? Ninety. Was that work at Regal? Yeah. Um. Ninety six to. Yeah, ninety six to. Oh six. Okay. Yeah. So ten years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. I like it. <clears throat> See, I'm I'm waiting for you to remember the one like there's like a story, like the story that you told on like the best thirty minutes episode, where it's like there's some kind of random story about like some kind of just crazy incident that happened or something that involved a movie that like fucked your day up or like you know like calls you some sort of issue and and it's related to like a specific showing or something of a movie that you haven't seen i'm trying to remember what so there was this day where we had it was in the middle of the winter and it was a really cold winter it was back when we used to get like real winters um we had no heat in theater 13 and I called our district manager and said, hey, like, it's 12 degrees outside and there's no heat in theater 13. Can I just cancel the shows for the rest of the day? And he was like, oh, no, we can't cancel any shows. He's like, it'll always be warmer inside than outside. People will be fine. So I was like, all right. So, fuck, I can't remember what movie that was. The Man Who Knew Too Little or something, maybe? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... um god these people were so mad they were like it's so cold in there how could you possibly do it and i used his line i was like well you know it's technically <laughs> warmer inside than in this outside oh my god they were so mad i'd give him passes and then i called my boss back i'm like look i just got cussed out and he was like oh yeah i guess just go ahead and cancel the shows in there for the rest of the day but i can't remember what movie that was it wasn't the man who knew too little that was in Theater 13, though, at one point. Or wait, was that what it was called? Some Bill Murray comedy. <sighs> I can't hear you. You're muted. Sorry, I, I coughed and then thought I unmuted and didn't. Uh yeah, it's him and the incomparable Peter Gallagher is the man who knew too little. Um, what year is that? 1997. Hmm. That could be it. Yeah. When did it come out? Uh, November. Middle of November. Yeah, that's entirely possible then because it would have been cold. Yeah. Well, it can't be that. And I've also seen that movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, all right, so I'll be interested to see as you rack your brain what um what you come up with. Oh my god, the man who knew too little is on Hulu if you wanna um you wanna check it out. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. I mean, you know God has zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Oh, it definitely deserves it. Yeah. Although it has a 45% from audiences, which it, it has, some of it's ironic though. I was looking at the reviews and it's like this is the greatest movie of all time, five stars. Like so I would like to meet those 45 45- percent yeah. i'm hey. sure 25 percent at least is like not true but um yeah i am more likely to watch that steve martin martin short 
TV series like Murder in a Building or whatever the fuck it's called than I am to watch The Man Who Knew Too Little. I don't think I can deal with The Man Who Knew Too Little. Um, yeah, so not going to watch that. Bet too many things to watch. <clears throat> never, never too much. As I say that I'm like largely completed the list for like the next like four weeks or something like that. But um <clears throat> always got it. too 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 much still for the man who knew too little. <clears throat> hey, you get there someday. All right. Um any final thoughts, Frank? No. Um I think this next week's list has the potential to be at least really funny depending on what i choose so oh it's been your grin list gotcha yeah yeah oh, oh no this the, i'm actually really excited for um our regular podcast list this week I, i'm looking forward to talking about all five of those movies so. yeah this week this friday we'll be covering be starting the the year-long journey that we do in terms of covering each year of a certain decade of horror movies we're starting with the year 1970 as frank covers the 70s which is your favorite decade right in terms of horror overall yeah yeah definitely yeah it's got the most variety to it it does i'll, I'll give you that yeah but I, I i'm more interested in hearing as usual even though i enjoy a lot of like a lot of the movies in those horror lists I, i'm always like like the like what you know about like kind of like your take on the history and like what's going on in horror like specifically during that time period mm. and like all that kind of stuff like and like how things have shifted from the 60s and are slowly shifting into the 70s and how things are precursors to things that are going to come later and all that kind of stuff. I always like that kind of commentary from you. So. Well, this is a good list for it. Yeah, it absolutely is. So, All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. See you next Thank week you. with um, traumatic Regal movie from Frank. And um, hopefully we'll get you to listen to uh, this Friday with the um, top five horror movies in 1970. Yeah, it's gonna be a, gonna be a good week. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. Deuces.